honesty, passion, experience. It's Timberwolves Explosion, hosted on the SportsStuff.com and also brought to you by the Oddman Media Network. Here are your hosts, Paladino Joey and Marcus the Forecaster. Logan Timberwolves fans, are you ready for the explosion of Timberwolves basketball? I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Wygen. Timberwolves Explosion is available on the sportstuff.com and on iTunes and on Double Twist, all that good stuff for Android, or I'll probably try to get it on SoundCloud at some point again, too. But yeah, it's available on those. <laughs> I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to this show. It's a pleasure to be back once again. I've been kind of doing this on a every other week basis for the time being. I'll probably come back next week, though, uh, to keep things rolling here. We're in the Final Four in the NBA playoffs. I like to keep up with that. And, of course, the Wolves news ongoing and all that and some some uh, draft talk. That's why I'll probably come back next week because the, uh, <clears throat> the lottery will be taking place on this upcoming Tuesday. So there it is. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today. Got the little uh, mock draft uh, lottery machine from ESPN in front of me right now, just to kind of imagine things, just to kind of see what happens. See, just to just a hint of what the Wolves' luck will be coming up on Tuesday night. Will it finally be good, or will it be the same old bullcrap, or the where somebody out east or somebody <laughs> out west, two pretty significant franchises, will leapfrog the Timberwolves, or somebody like Indiana from who's supposed to be picking tenth, or the Miami Heat? Because they lost LeBron James. You know, somebody like that will slide all the way up to number one, just like the Chicago Bulls did back in 08, much to my chagrin. Eh, but then again, that that draft turned out okay in the end. Um, yeah, for the most part, until things changed. But yeah, but then that web brought us Andrew Wiggins. Okay, I'm getting way off track. But then again, <laughs> what what is on track when it comes to the Timberwolves? It's an ever-changing story. The Minnesota Timberwolves franchise has changed its shape about as often as a cumulonimbus cloud changes on a humid day. It changes quite frequently, doesn't it? Hmm, now I'm getting into weather. Yeah, I think I had too much coffee, didn't I? Hmm. All right, well, it's going to be a three-segment show. First segment will be Minnesota Timberwolves talk. It's going to be, well, about the draft lottery mostly and how things Hopefully, we'll turn out and just kind of. I'm just going to kind of make up scenarios with the uh, the little lottery thing. I'm only going to do it once, just to kind of pretend like it's Tuesday night and what what's going to be on my mind. And I have a little uh, <clears throat> inclusion from Marcus the Forecaster, so he's still out there. He still does exist. You know what I mean? <laughs> he still does exist for Timberwolves Explosion uh, via a text message a couple of days ago. I asked him what his thoughts on the draft are. You know, like the three potential guys. Three potential guys, unless we wind up fourth. God forbid. That would be the stupidest bunch of crap ever. That would mean three teams will have leapfrogged the Timberwolves. Could you imagine that possibility happening? <laughs> Knock on word. It's not going to turn out that way. In my opinion, one of three, one of the three guys out there will be a nice potential player for the Timberwolves. At least a number two star for Andrew Wiggins. If not, even better. We'll see what happens. Obviously, those guys are Carl Anthony Towns 
Uh, Jaleel Okafor and D'Angelo Russell out of Ohio State. Yeah, a nice uh, ringing endorsement from the forecaster via text. Uh, segment number two, playoff talk. Yeah, we're down to the final four. Congratulations to the teams involved. We'll get to that very shortly. And segment number three will be fan interaction. So, before I press the, the lottery button here, let's hear what Marcus the Forecaster has to say. <clears> hey, <throat> okay, I simply asked him, who's your top choice for the Wolves? Carl Anthony Towns, Julio or D'Angelo Russell? Forecaster jumps in very, well, as quick as he does anyway, but very analytical, and that's why I decided to use this on the show today. Very awesome. He says, Russell. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell, folks. Then trade Rubio and Chase meaning Chase Buttinger, for a pick. Possibly a trade with the 76ers for theirs. That would mean, well, anywhere, so somewhere in the top 3, 4, 5 range. I believe right now, yes, yeah, 76ers are projected to be number 3. Well, we all know how these can turn out, but no, eh, we'll see what happens. Uh, 76ers for their pick. For theirs, excuse me, then pick. Hmm, for our own DJ type center. Hmm. Well, we'll have to see what happens there. A pillow like Rubio is a pillow. I'm not sure he meant it. See, that's the one thing he's probably voice texting is not the way to go. Meaning a point guard like Rubio is not the way to go. Watching the playoffs, all the point guards, watching the playoffs, all the point guards score and can drive to the hoop. If they have a bad game, they lose. And the centers actually defend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We need a, pl- yeah. We need a, I don't know why this coming is coming up wrong, but it's probably because it was voice text by him. We need a point guard who can drive to the basket and make a layup. But then again, watching the playoffs, every point guard can shoot and have some ability, ability, pardon me, to teardrop or finish over a big. Uh-huh. Teardrop or finish over a big, like a Damian Lillard. Yep. He continues, all playoffs, the point guards were pretty key to their wins. Uh-huh. Or get Towns and try to get the point guard from Apple Valley. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yep, yep. That being the guy from Duke, he says, but I like Stein. Yep, also Stein. Willie Colley Stein. Yes, sir. <clears throat> he likes him because he can defend every position, but not as a top four pick. So that may, may be a trade into the, the sixes or something. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, he said, we'd be crazy to think that Rubio, who is dang near a basketball veteran, can turn his shooting around. Very, very interesting take there. So basically, in a nutshell, Marcus the Forecaster not convinced that Ricky Rubio is the uh, the right point guard for the job because he really can't shoot the ball, and we're, we'd be crazy to think that uh, he's going to turn that around. Yeah, because he hasn't turned it around. And it looked like he might have a little bit last year from that uh, from the uh, the shooting coach, and then a couple weeks later it was the same old garbage again. And then, of course, he continued to roll his ankle that's I'm not. That's not as much of a concern as the lack of like making a shot. That is a concern. His passing ability is fantastic, but again, <laughs> Marcus the Forecaster's main focus here is an explosive point guard who can score, hit hit threes, and of course uh, floaters and all of that. Obviously, to keep the defense honest, and well, to also be a guy that can hit a clutch shot down the stretch as well when need be a la Chris Paul. Hmm. <laughs> Boy, did things go all over the place with that guy. So there it is. Um, I, to this point, have endorsed Carl Anthony Towns. He reminds me of Alonzo Mourning, to be honest. He's, he's very physical, blocks shots. Uh, he, when he posts up, he's, he's kind of a power type of guy. Julia Lokifer is a finesse type of guy. 
but he does have got a lot of that Tim Duncan up and under type of approach, which is, I think, a very intriguing type of guy. I think he's got a wonderful future in the league, but there's two, uh, two red flags for Jaleel Okafor coming into the draft. His free throw shooting is not good, and we saw how that hurt the Clippers and almost killed the Houston Rockets as well. That's frustrating. You don't want to hear hack of Jaleel too often, but then again, hmm, well, we'll just see how things go. D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell. Marcus the Forecaster, and of course, watching extensive video on the three top guys there, who I'm really hoping we get one of. <laughs> to me, yeah, D'Angelo Russell does have a chance to be the best player in the 2015 draft. And yeah, um, I'm saying that with full sincerity. Doesn't mean he will be, but uh, the possibility does exist, and he could be the franchise-changing guard that this franchise so desperately needs. The question then becomes, what do you get for Ricky Rubio? Well, we'll just have to get into those hypotheticals when the time comes, and hopefully the Minnesota Timberwolves, that being Flip, Phil, Saunders, can, well, pull off the right to trade and not screw this one up too bad, should we wind up taking D'Angelo Russell. But if you do see that name show up for the Minnesota Timberwolves on draft night... Something's going to happen. Something very significant is going to be works. Will it take all summer? We'll just have to wait and see. So with no further ado, it's Tuesday night, ladies and gentlemen. It is, well, let's, let's say it's central time. Let's say it's about 7.45, 7.50. 7.50, okay? It's 7.50. They're down to the top five picks in the draft. They came out of their 19th commercial break. And, you know, because they just have to do that. Uh, yeah, and things are going funny. Thing, things, uh, but we forgot. We already forgot though who the other guys uh, went before top five. So let's just jump to it. Okay, here comes the envelope. Oh boy, here we go. Click, click, click. Tick, tick, tock. And the number one pick in the 2015 draft goes to the L.A. Lakers. Well, are you surprised? Yeah, you're so surprised, aren't you? Yeah, I'm so surprised. I could just, oh, I could just smash the screen right now. Ah! Yeah, the LA Lakers get the number one pick in the 2015 draft. According to this, this does not, this is no indicator of where we're headed because it's just a, something you could press the button 900 million times. We're just pretending this is the real one. The number two pick. Does it go to the Timberwolves? No, of course it doesn't. Yeah, it goes to the Sacramento Kings. Isn't that just terrific? <laughs> Isn't that precious? You know, I, I'm just so happy right now. I could just, oh, I could just scream so loud. The screen will shatter into a million pieces. Why? The number three pick goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, all right. Yay. I, I'm so happy. Thank you for not dropping us out of the top three. Okay, so now who are the Lakers take in the 2015 draft? They go with... Carl Anthony Towns. So they're next Shaquille O'Neal, so to speak. Or that would totally figure, wouldn't it? Because what did the Lakers do generation upon generation? Yeah. Let's see. George Mikan. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. They had George Mikan when they were here in Minneapolis. They go to L.A. You know, eh, you know, they struggle a little while. Yeah. But then they have some really nice seasons. But yeah, they, they get bored. They just, they, they, they need a center. So yeah. um, Yeah. Will Chamberlain. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just Will Chamberlain. You know, he's just a fill-in at center. Oh, and by the way, Wilt Wilt gets old and retires, and yeah, they need to replace him with 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 another band aid guy who played for the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, Lou Alcindor. I mean, excuse me, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. You know, a little name changing going on there. The Brooklyn, New York native. Yeah, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. 
That's all. Just, just, it's just Kareem, you know. He's okay. He, he was all right. Well, then there was a guy who was okay, but he ended up being better to replace Kareem for a little while. First round pick, Vlade Divac, who had some all-star games. Nice, solid, intelligent player. Good passer, good scorer, block shots. Yeah, he was pretty valuable. But he wasn't a superstar. The Lakers got bored. They, they weren't winning. Yeah, and there's this guy named Shaq in Orlando who just was like, I don't know, he, let's just throw him $120 million, that's all. Maybe let's, let's see if he comes. Oh, he did. Yeah. So there you go. And then Shaq gets, gets kind of in a feud with Kobe years later. Or was it pretty much from the get-go? But it got worse later. Winds up getting traded to the Miami Heat. And then they wind up with... Uh, yeah, they wind up with uh, Andrew Bynum, who was pretty good for a little while, but injury-prone. and yeah, But they only got two championships in the Bynum era. That's all. Just just two. That's not bad. That's, that's still you know two, two more than we've gotten since then. And, and most other teams. So, now they wind up with Carl Anthony Towns. According to this, that would just totally figure, wouldn't it? It really would. Julia Locafer or Carl, Carl Anthony Towns would totally figure. Sacramento Kings, long story longer, or let's finally get this moving, D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell going to Sacramento to combine with uh, DeMarcus Cousins. That would instantly turn the Sacramento Kings into a contender as far as I'm concerned. They have George Carl, they have Rudy Gay, DeMarcus Cousins, and they have other nice pieces on that team. That would be uh, that would be a pretty good mix, and I would hate to see it happen because I, I don't like the Sacramento Kings at all. You know what? Screw the Sacramento Kings. Minnesota Timberwolves, that leaves us with Tim Duncan 2.0. Or a Tim Duncan that's not very good at free throws and his defense is is not really Carl Anthony Towns level. But we'll see. Some of you out there do believe Julie Okafor is very, very worthy of the number one overall pick. I'm not quite there yet, but we'll see. I hope he is, to be quite frank. We're just, I'm just not there yet, And but at the same time, you have the third overall pick and you still wind up with Jaleel Okafor. Cool. Sounds good to me. And then the New York Knicks get their point guard of the future in Emmanuel Mudiay. So there you go. Assuming the Minnesota Timberwolves wind up with the third overall pick, we'll end up with Russell or Okafor. Yeah. And I wouldn't be that pissed, but at the same time, it'd be nice to at least get number two, so you're going to have a crack at one of the two big guys, or D'Angelo, you'll, you'll have a choice, per se, for D'Angelo Russell or one of the big guys, whoever that may be. Looks like Carl Anthony Towns is probably going to go number one overall to most teams. So, yeah, don't be surprised if the Wolves do end up with something like this, because it's been the Wolves' history for all time. Um, the best pick the Wolves have ever gotten was the number two overall pick, and they were projected to be number one that year. So, go figure. <laughs> was that surprising? No, it, it wasn't all that surprising. Uh, I don't even want to remember it anymore. I don't want to. Yeah, Cleveland Cavaliers, of course, shock of the decade, got the number one pick that year, and they wound up with Kyrie Irving, who was slightly better than Derek Williams. Just just a little bit better, you know? So, there it is. There's your draft lottery. There's your possibilities. Um, Collie Stein, I think he'll be pretty good, but I don't know. I think it's a, cons- a significant drop-off after the top three, as far as I'm concerned. Emmanuel at the point guard. Well, there you go. You still got the uh, issues coming up with Ricky Rubio. And again, I'll get deeper into the draft when I record again next week. But right now, yeah, I mean, right now I'm focusing a lot on the top three. I hope we wind up with those guys. And a lot of the mock drafts turn out that if the Wolves wind up with the fourth pick, that Emmanuel would go to somebody like a New York Knicks or something if they went number three. so Or 76 or something like that. Should I press the lottery thing one more time just for the hell of it? Just for the hell of it to see if we get number one? 
I'll do it really quick. But this is the official one. This one right here that you heard is the official one for Timberwolves Explosion. But I'll do it one more time, just for the hell of it. Tick, 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 drop, drop, drop. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Number two, number one, excuse me, goes to the Philadelphia 76ers. Carl Anthony Towns, number two, goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Jaleel Okafor, number three. New York Knicks, D'Angelo Russell. And then the Lakers drop all the way down to number four, where they wind up with a good scenario anyway with the second best point guard in the draft, Emmanuel Moudier. So there you go. <sighs> there it is. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Was able to get Marcus's take in there, and my belief that D'Angelo Russell would certainly not be any type of uh, <clears throat> uh, consolation prize for the other two centers. I think he'd be absolutely fantastic. So as long as the Wolves wind up in the three, at least we'll have a chance to get a potential star in the making. Again, no guarantees of any kind. That doesn't mean these guys have don't have degenerative knee <laughs> conditions that we don't know about yet, like Brandon Roy or uh, Greg Oden. We don't know. God willing, uh, God bless them, knock on wood, all the above, that they have none of those problems, but you just don't know. Or maybe they're just not as good as we'd like to believe. But until then, <laughs> well, if we, if we wind up in the top three, I do believe the Wolves wind up with somebody that will make a significant improvement to the Minnesota Timberwolves franchise in the upcoming seasons. With that, we'll take a break, and let's talk about the NBA playoffs in the second round. On to number three. Well, Tuesday night, we find out once again if the NBA draft lottery is rigged against Minnesota. The last 25 years would tell you it is, but hopefully this will be the end of it once and for all. So will it be? Well, it better be. And we are back here on Timberwolves Explosion. This is actually, you know what? I gotta say it right now. Uh, episode number 150. I might as well say it because it's a, it's kind of a milestone. It's not a humongous, like, oh my god, massive milestone. But it's a pretty cool number, 150. It's a nice round number per se. So there you go. We're halfway to episode number 300 and only 50 away from episode number 200. So just a little interesting fact for you before we jump into the postseason segment here. One other thing though. I'm about 16 episodes away from my overall 500th podcast recorded during the course of my quote-unquote uh, podcasting career over the years with Paladino Live, Purple Mafia, Timberwolves Explosion, Brave the Wild, and Showtime, and T-Wolf. So, yeah, almost at number 500. That should occur sometime, maybe late summer. It'll happen. It'll either probably be on this show or on Purple Mafia. i got to figure... Put it on one of the two shows with the uh, the larger audience for uh, that type of a uh, that type of a significant milestone because I gotta think that'll be something fairly special. That's a pretty pretty big freaking number. Not many people have reached 500 podcasts overall. That's a, that's a lot. All right, <laughs> and if we record every single week for like since since like nine years ago, okay, sure, that's a little more possible. But all right, on to it. I'm kind of branching off into nothingness here. The second round, was uh, was it slightly better than the first round? Absolutely. Not even close. That's why I always rip the first round. Even though it's, well, it's a worthy watch because there's all, there's at least one or two series that are very, very good in the first round. Uh, like San Antonio and LA Clippers. That was fantastic. Clippers had to face a seven-game situation once again. We won't talk about that one just yet. Let's move on to the ones that were eh, not quite as uh, dramatic as that one. 
But to be quite honest, all of the second round series were worthy watches. And congratulations to NBA for that. Let's start off in the Eastern Conference of the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Washington Wizards. Lots of drama here. Lots of truth going on. You know, the truth was told. <laughs> and then the truth was, was uh, taken away because it was a lie. At least on the last uh, shot of the series. Spoiler alert. Wink, wink. Hint, hint. Too soon. Washington Wizards started this series out fairly well. Very well. And uh, more than once in this series, the underdog took a 2-1 to one lead in the series and did not win the series. And, in fact, actually that happened in every single one of these series. Yeah, every single one of them. That's quite a uh, strange, strange... <laughs> that is quite a strange event to take place right here. All the underdogs took a 2-1 to one lead in these series. And, uh, yeah, none of them won. Zero. Mm-hmm. Pretty weird. Yeah, but anyhow, let's just get on with it. Washington Wizards winning the first game. I was like, oh, great. The Atlanta Hawks, really, they're just not for real, are they? They're just a bunch of jokers. Well, eventually they kind of sort of became real, and uh, good for them. Pardon me for the noise here. It just is what it is. <laughs> One-man show, producer, and uh, and and host. It just kind of is what it is. Mm-hmm. No co-host right now. Washington winning 104-98 in the first game. Atlanta coming in with a much more commanding effort, knowing they had to win game two, 106-90. Game three, the truth was told, and Paul Pierce was unbelievably clutch in the third game, 103 to 101. Wizards take a 2-1 lead, and they'd never win again. The Atlanta Hawks applied a little better defense and were, were more clutch along the way, and congratulations to them, <laughs> barely beating the Wizards in game five to take a 3-2 lead. That's when I knew the Wizards were done, because Atlanta was going to win a seventh game at home, regardless if Washington was able to pull off a victory in game number six or not. Atlanta's winning game number four was absolutely humongous, though. It was a must-win game. You could not go down 3-1, to one, even though a certain other team was able to still come back from that. That is a very difficult uh, thing to come back from. You'd have to win game five to survive, which the Hawks did. <laughs> and they'd also have to win uh, game number six on the road. That'd be really, really tough. But the Hawks were able to pull off three wins in a row. A very impressive stretch. Lucky for the Hawks. And Al Horford was able to tip that thing in and lead the Hawks to victory because it looked like the Wizards were going to win the game, but no. Victory was stolen away at Al Horford getting that offensive rebound off of the missed shot and the basket for Mr. Horford. And then a 94-91 game in which the Wizards led most of the way, but the Hawks kind of kept clipping away, kept clipping away, and eventually took it away. They took the lead, and they actually held on to it for quite a while as well. And then the Wizards made a comeback. It was kind of a game of runs. And then Paul Pierce hitting another three at the buzzer to tie it up and send it to overtime. But no, apparently he barely, and I mean barely had, his epidermis, (laughs) the epidermis of his skin still barely touching the ball as the backboard light came on. That's pretty much how it turned out. He ended up missing the shot and, or excuse me, he ended up, uh, the shot ended up not counting and the Atlanta Hawks go on to win the series. Four games to two, and congratulations to the Atlanta Hawks. Finally getting to round number three for the first time in the history of the franchise of the Atlanta Hawks. And they haven't gotten, uh, they haven't won two playoff series since 1958 when they were the St. Louis Hawks and they won the NBA championship. Back in the day, apparently, apparently, this is where I, where I was I was wrong about something. The Hawks did make the Eastern Conference Finals in 1970 
Yeah, that, that's, that's only 45 years ago. But hey, they were the Atlanta Hawks and they made it. But back then, there, was not, there wasn't three rounds. Uh, it, it wasn't the third round, it was the second round because the NBA was smaller and, and all that. You get the idea. It seemed like most of the sports back in the day, there was less rounds and less games to be played, like five-game series and all that. Um, back in the day, the Major League Baseball was, a, was only a five-game series in the ALCS, if you can imagine that. AL, you know, the League Championship Series, if you can imagine that. So, a uh, very quick situation there. <laughs> How things turn out. The NBA used to have five-game series in the first round, not even that long ago, back in the late 90s. So, I, I'm glad it went to seven-game series. And even in the early 2000s, the Wolves were victims of 3-0 sweeps to the uh, Dallas freaking Mavericks back in the day. Let's try not to remember that. But, uh, yeah, the Hawks finally getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they even have home court advantage. Congratulations to them. I truly, truly wish with all my heart that uh, this was the team with Dominic Wilkins and Kevin Willis and all those guys on the roster back then, 94 Hawks, 21 years ago. Number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and how do they reward the man that stuck with that franchise for all those years? They trade him to the frickin' Clippers. Really? A team that, yeah, they made the playoffs, sure. Yeah, with the eighth seed. Yeah, cute. For Danny Manning, who didn't even stay and was not worthy of a number one pick. You do not do that. That was the most dick move in the history of the Atlanta Hawks. What the hell were they thinking? What the hell were they thinking? That was just the stupidest move ever. And then the Patriots, the Patriots, the Patriots, the Pacers. Yeah, Patriots. Let's stay off that topic. <laughs> Go Patriots, damn it. The Pacers ended up beating them in six games. I still remember that. And I felt I, I felt bad. I was happy for the Pacers because it was impressive. But, man, <laughs> man. The Hawks fans were screwed. Dominic Wilkins was screwed. And the players on the Hawks were screwed. The only team thing that deserved to be screwed was the ownership and the management for that one. B.S. move by the Hawks. But now they're finally going to the uh, East Finals. But now they're running into who I still believe is the best player on the planet. That being, <laughs> I almost called him Dominique Wilkins. That being LeBron James. Let's stay in the East for now. Chicago and Cleveland. All you haters out there that highly prefer Chicago over Cleveland. And you know what? I highly prefer the Miami Heat over Cleveland when, in regards to LeBron James uh, being a member of the team. But you know what? I, I'm enjoying watching LeBron in the postseason. I, I've enjoyed it for a, a while. Ever since he got to Miami, well, actually, <clears throat> pardon me, <laughs> I'll bite that. Ever since the second season of LeBron in Miami, I do not enjoy anybody more in the postseason to watch than LeBron James. Nobody. I, I don't enjoy watching anybody more than LeBron James in the postseason as of 2012. Not 2011 or anything before that. In fact, because he was one of the bigger chokes in all basketball at the time. Even though the Heat got to the finals, they still, like, well, you know, shat the bed against the Dallas Mavericks, didn't they? But they didn't shat the bed against the Chicago Bulls. Despite the fact the Bulls played very, very well. They won the first game on the road, 99-92. But then Cleveland commanding, saying, no way, were we going down 0-2? And everybody knew it. They kicked the Bulls' butts in the second game, 106-99. Then the Bulls again... Stifling the stifling the Cavs 99-96 in the third game. I had a lot of people going, ha ha, Cavs are done, Cavs are done, nan nan and boo boo. But then a couple of very, very close games. Cleveland just barely hanging on, playing much tougher defense and hitting shots that they needed to. LeBron James driving to the basket and scoring. Attacking the basket the way he does, winning 86-84. And then a very, very well played game. Defense not nearly as good for either team in Game 5, 106-101. And then the uh, Cleveland Browns. Now I'm getting the Cuban Cavaliers destroy the Bulls in Game 6. It just did not go well at all. A Bulls team that just got the vibe like, 
I guess we're not going to win. I'm not going to say they quit on their coach or, or anybody like that or, or on themselves. It was just a situation where they guess they, it's like they got the vibe, like, I guess we're not going to win, and this Cavs team is, is apparently on a mission now. And they sure looked it in that sixth game, even with Kyrie Irving being out. And we'll talk about another guy being out and the team making an influential run in the fourth quarter. Out, out west, we'll talk about that very soon. But the way Cleveland kind of really just the momentum they took they took in that sixth game was quite impressive. Great defense and and good offense. Now I'm going to make this statement right now before I forget because it's in my train of thought here. There's a reason why I enjoy Le- why I enjoy LeBron James watching LeBron James so much in the postseason because he he plays he plays basketball the way I enjoy watching. Driving to the basket, dunking, scoring on people. Sure, he gets fouled and he makes them and stuff, but he also just gets to the basket and dunks on people and scores. That's the that's the side of basketball that I miss so much, and I think it's being lost in the shovel here with all this run and gun stuff. Why do you think I love Andrew Wiggins so much? Why do you think I love him? Is he constantly just looking for a three-point shot all day, all night? He shoots the three, he misses, up, oh, offensive rebound, back out for another three attempt. Hey, now it went in. Okay, good. That's great, and great. Good on the Warriors for making their 9,000 three-pointers. And if they are going to make them, then okay, then they deserve to win the game and the NBA championship, if it leads to that. But I think a lot of what I love about basketball is getting lost in the shuffle, and what a lot of people in the past loved about Michael Jordan is getting lost in all this a little bit, in this like obsession with run and gun. Again, God love you if you're perfecting the shot. And, you know, if you're perfecting the run and gun the way the Warriors and even the Houston Rockets <clears throat> and LA Clippers and teams like that have been doing uh, the past few years, especially this season, God love you if you're able to perfect it and win a championship with it. But I still enjoy <laughs> a, a guy with power, talent, and, and unbelievable talent driving to the basket and dunking on people versus um, just launching threes like about 75% of the game. That's the reason why I like LeBron James so much. That's why. It's not because I'm just a LeBrobo, a, Le- a LeBron Bobo per se. Is that's a term used locally here by one of the shows, <laughs> one of the local radio shows. Um, I'm not just all about the jersey and the swag and, the, and how cool this guy is. And oh yeah, I don't give a damn about that. I just want to watch basketball, and I like to see a guy <laughs> like LeBron James do what he does in big games, hit big shots, and yes, hit some threes too. I'm not against the three-point shot at all. When it's when you're making a run, you're either building a lead or you're making a comeback, one one way or another, launching a three at the right time, right place is freaking awesome. But it's also nice when you can mix it up with dunks and all that. And yes, the Warriors do that, but they and the and the and the, the uh, Houston Rockets and Clippers and all them, yeah, they do all that, but not as much. That's all. It's just not as good. It's still good, but not as good. That's how I see it. Let's go out west before I drag this out any longer. But that is the root of why I see things the way I do. It ain't hate. <laughs> it's just I love the way certain things have been over over the course of time. And I don't necessarily need to see them change. That's just how I see it, all right? Golden State Warriors, Memphis Grizzlies didn't start out well in the first game. Grizzlies didn't seem to have any semblance of offense. Um, of course, no Mike Conley out there with the injured face. Yeah, lacerations, all that, injuries. That kind of can't have felt well at all. The Warriors just steamrolled over them. 
And then the Grizzlies win two games in a row, and it's like, hey, this is great. I mean, look at the defense by the Grizzlies, keeping the Warriors to 90 points and 89 points, respectively. Those were good years back in the back in the day, too, 89 and 90, but you get the idea. <clears throat> the uh, To be able to keep the Warriors down that far, very impressive. But this is why the Warriors look like they have a pretty good chance of winning the championship, because as well as the Grizzlies played defensively, they couldn't sustain it. They just couldn't sustain it. It just didn't work out, unfortunately, because the Warriors started hitting shots like crazy. I mean, 101-84. And yes, by the way, the Warriors have more to their game than threes. And yes, their defense is good and their athleticism. And they really displayed it in Game 4 on the road. 101-84. Just, a, just an absolute butt woman. Just they, they just played out of their minds. Fantastic night for them. Stephen Curry at his 9,000 shots. And yes, he's the MVP of the NBA. And you know that already. 33 points for him in that one, and that was a definitely a statement game for him. About 50% from the three-point line. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Only 78 points for the Grizzlies in, in Game 5 in, in uh, not Golden State, Oracle Arena. It's better to call it that. That was, uh, that had to have shattered their confidence, and they didn't come out to, they just didn't get it done in, in Game number 6, even though they were at home. The Warriors set the tone early. And they just finished them off. 108-95. Six-game uh, six series victory for the Golden State Warriors. And they're going to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 1975. So congratulations to them. Remember, they won the NBA championship that year. Excuse me, they went to the Western Finals in 1976. And they didn't win. But in 1975, they won the NBA title. Pardon me. So there's another team. It's been about 39, 40 years for the Golden State Warriors to go back into their uh, good old days, per se, to get to the conference finals. Remember all those good teams in the late 80s, early 90s, and they even had some good teams a couple years ago? It's been a long time for the Warriors, and yes, they had a lot of junk in the 90s, a lot, and in the early 2000s, in the mid-2000s, even though they made the playoffs a few of those years with some with some promise here and there. But the late 80s, early 90s teams, man, Spreewell, Chris Mullen, Tim Hardaway, man, I mean, one good player after another, and they just could not get it done. I mean, they lost to the Phoenix Suns. Remember the 93, the 93 playoffs? Second, uh, It was only the first round. Yeah, that's all it was, the first round. But the Warriors made it very, very interesting. Uh, but the Suns were just too much for them. It was kind of like Suns versus uh, versus uh, White Dwarfs, I guess. You know, because like, the Sun is bigger than a White Dwarf. But they're still, like, you know, hot shooting and all that and o- offensive and all that. Yeah. That's kind of what it was. But this year's Golden State Warriors are uh, looking golden indeed. They, they sure are. And props to Steve Kerr and such. Dave Yeager, though, looks like a very promising coach for the Memphis Grizzlies. Unfortunately, there's age on the, on the Grizzlies, but there's also youth as well. Mike Conley has a nice future. Marcus Sowell is an unrestricted free agent. That's going to be very, very interesting to see what winds up there. Will he stay in Memphis? Because he's had a wonderful career there so far. Had a couple of... Uh, or yeah, he's been to the All-Star guy many times, been Defensive Player of the Year. Will he stay there? Will he not? Hmm. Interesting. We'll just have to wait and see there. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our feature presentation. Clippers and the Houston Rockets. Clippers and the Houston Rockets. Not only do the <laughs> Clippers take a 2-1 to lead in this series, they take a 3-1 to lead in this series. And it looked like the Clippers really, really picked up where they left off, didn't it? Houston just steamrolled over the Dallas Mavericks. You thought everything would be fine, but the Clippers were carrying momentum after beating the defending world champions and their arch nemesis over the past couple of years. 
pretty much as much of a of a nemesis or brick wall for the LA Clippers that the Chicago Blackhawks are for the Minnesota Wild. So for them to finally win a seven-game series against the Spurs was a huge, huge boost in confidence for the Clippers. 117-101 in the first game. Houston again, saving face, playing awesome basketball in the second game, 115-109. And then the Clippers just shatter the Houston Rockets' confidence, demolishing them back-to-back games by about 30-point deficits. And yes, the Rockets trailed by 30 in both of these games at certain times. And they lost by one. They lost by 33 in Game Four. You figure that's it for the Rockets at this point. 124.99 in Game Number Three, and 128 to 95 in Game Number Four. That was just a demolition derby. You figure that's all she wrote. But then Houston trying to save face at this point in Game Number Five. You figure okay, they'll win the fifth game, and they played about as good a basketball as you've seen them play. Fantastic. 124 to 103, destroying them. Staying alive, staying alive, off to game number six. And it looked like the Rockets were dead and gone, the way the Clippers were rolling over them early on. But then the Rockets just hung on in the first quarter. They hung on, respectively, and then had a nice surge at the end of the second quarter when the Clippers took a 15-point lead. <laughs> and they only trailed by two points at the half. You figure, okay, everything will be fine. Maybe Houston will stay alive. But the Clippers will probably pull away and win, and they're off to play the Warriors. In the West Finals, they'll they'll finally get to the Conference Finals. There's a lot of firsts or first time in a while in this postseason, aren't there? Quite a few. Clippers, it looked like they're finally going to the West Finals. And who knows, maybe the dream of a lifetime. They'll beat the Warriors and go all the way. Because if, if they win the West, maybe they win the whole thing. Maybe. After the lead they were taking in that, in that third quarter, the Rockets looked about as... They looked like they were just going through the motion. They looked like dead men walking out there. They couldn't even get a rebound. They couldn't stop anybody. DeAndre Jordan was bullying, and I mean bullying, Dwight Howard to a point of, it was almost like, this guy's a, this guy's an asshole. As much as he don't like Dwight Howard and the elbows he was throwing all the, you know, the whole night due to probably frustration and such, the Rockets were getting very frustrated during the course of this game. They were basically like, our season's over. We're dead. But then quarter number four happens. <laughs> and it, it was 1994 all over again. And do you know who won the championship in 1994? Well, for those of you youngsters out there that don't remember it, the Houston Rockets won the 1994 NBA championship. Yes, they did. And they were clutch. <laughs> in fact, they were so clutch, they nicknamed that Frank, the, the team Clutch City. That's what they did. <laughs> and the Rockets were Clutch City. The Clippers missed a couple shots. Rockets come around the court, hit some threes. Josh Smith, Corey Brewer, Trevor Ariza. And then Dwight Howard was getting every rebound that the Clippers continued to clang and miss. A, five, uh, a 5-0 run? Okay, things are going all right. And then it became a 7-0 run. And a 10-0 run. And the Clippers continued to miss shots. And it was the strangest thing you ever saw. And they'd get open threes and you figure, oh, they'll make this one. No, it bounced out. And now it's a single-digit deficit for the Rockets. Single-digit deficit for the Rockets. And then down the court again goes Josh Smith. <laughs> yeah. And then he hits another one. And all of this taking place when <laughs> a young man by the name of James Harden with a big... His beard was just too heavy, so his legs were sore. And he was unable to play. I mean, he was able to play, but they figured just let him get some rest while this run's going. Why stop it? And it got to a point... 
as the Rockets continued to hit threes, and they only trailed by five points. Kevin McHale calls a timeout because his players are absolutely gassed. Josh Smith raises or throws his arms in the air like, what are you doing, Kevin? What are you doing, Coach McHale? Why would you call timeout here? <laughs> it was quite funny, and the announcers laughed at it, and even I was like, oh, why are you calling timeout? The Rockets were just running down the court and hitting threes. <laughs> or dunking the ball, or getting layups, or whatever it was. The hack of Dwight, well, they were doing that as well. <laughs> it looked like the Rockets were still going to lose because of all that, but ultimately they didn't. Jason Terry hit a three al- al- along the way. <laughs> At least, no, he, he hit two threes along the way. Ariza hit a clutch three. He's like the Robert Ori. Josh Smith hit three after three. Brewer wound up with 20 points in the game. And Dwight Howard, quietly as all, had a 20-20 game because of a couple tip-ins and a million rebounds as the Clippers continue to miss them down the stretch. Key turnovers and a lot of missed shots. Awesome defense by the Houston Rockets, blocking shots. DeAndre Jordan was no longer bullying Dwight Howard. Dwight was making was blocking shots and he was getting rebounds. We forgot how good Dwight Howard can be at least once in a while. <laughs> and on this particular night, the Houston Rockets looked like the the Rockets of old. At least for one at least for one night. And then ultimately today in game seven, it was a typical game seven at home for for uh for a team that's uh you know favored to win the series ultimately. And the Rockets pulled away and won this one, 113-100. to 100. Not all that much to say, other than the Rockets led the entire way. They never really had any doubt after game number six. And, boy, you kind of feel for a, for a guy like Chris Paul, who played so well against the Spurs and playing on one leg and hit like a million threes and ended up leading the Clippers to victory in game number seven over the Spurs, who were breathing down their necks that entire night. So I do feel sorry for him a bit. Um... A little bit, and the Clippers fans who went through the type of BS that we do here in Minnesota, and, and we've gone through that many, many times. When it's such a promising season, everything looks so good, unbelievably well, and bam, swept four games to zero, or tick tock, tick tock, boom, the pug, the the hockey puck pounces off the the stanchion, whatever that is, right? Part of the uh, the metal part of the net that wound up uh, going in the goal. And the Wild end up losing losing a season just like that and the weirdest bounce ever last season in game number six. Or the 98 Vikings, wide right. Gary Anderson can't make a field goal that would have ran things out. Or Robert Smith. <laughs> Robert Smith steps out of bounds, keeping the clock, or stopping the clock where, it's where the Atlanta Hawks would have ran out of time. Stuff like that. Things like that that took place for the Vikings way back in 98. Yeah, way back, dare I say. Heck, I graduated in high school that year. And I'm saying way back. Ouch. <laughs> but no, um, things like that. Just classic Minnesota Vikings history. Things look so promising and bam, we lose. We fumble the first two kickoffs in the 2000 NFC Championship game and we lose that game 41 nothing in, in East Rutherford, New Jersey due to the New York Giants' delight even though they lost the Super Bowl 31 nothing. So, oh darn. <laughs> Too bad for them, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Hmm. Yeah, and then you get 2009 with the Vikings, of course. We all know, well, most of us here in Minnesota know what happened there. Those of you in Australia, maybe, maybe not. And New Zealand and such, maybe you watched them, maybe you didn't. Um, But things looking promising, one fumble after another, but we just kept surviving, and we we kept playing better than the New Orleans Saints. Slightly better, but better. We looked like the better team the whole time. Now we're driving down the field, just like championship teams do. 
with less than a minute remaining and a very clutch, very good kicker ready to roll. <laughs> we get past the 50-yard line. Oh my God, we are going to the Super Bowl like so many teams do. They get down the field, get to that 35-yard line or whatever it is, kick the field goal, and off to the Super Bowl we go. And then there was too many men in the field. Stuff like that. That's where Clipper fans can relate to Minnesota. We'll see if the same thing happens to Cleveland fans once again with LeBron James and such. I've drug this out a little while, but I'm kind of in storytelling mood. <laughs> I'm kind of in a storytelling mood tonight, aren't I? As you can tell. It, this was a really, really awesome, really, uh, <laughs> this was a really, really good uh, second round of the playoffs, as you can tell. It, it brought back old memories, uh, good and bad. Uh, but the Rockets, all those clutch shots, very, very amazing, very cool. We'll see what happens as they go into the West Finals. And, of course, for the poor Clippers fans, more than more than the players. I don't really care for the players that much, most of them. Um, I feel for Chris Paul, even though he's kind of an a-hole out there. I, I feel for him this year because I think he was a little bit, yeah. I mean, he he really, really wanted it this year, and it's sad. He's never been to the conference finals before in his career, so feel for him there. But, yeah, for those of us here in Minnesota who have been through so much BS, I do feel for the Clipper fans as well. So let's make the predictions very, very quickly here. Golden State Warriors hosting the Houston Rockets. That thing is going to go seven, I think. I think. Yeah, that series is going to go seven. Unfortunately, I think the home team is going to win four games to three, that being the Golden State Warriors. That's my current uh, updated prediction right there. Houston's going to make that thing really interesting. And if they do win it, it will be in six. That's my early prediction. Cleveland versus Atlanta. I really like the momentum the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers picked up during the course of the sixth game, but I also like the momentum the Atlanta Hawks picked up in their game. <sighs> this one is going to be really, 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 really tough to to predict. And, of course, it'd be like Cleveland in six or Atlanta in seven, yes. So that's uh, it's going to be one of those two. <sighs> that's the, the key here. Atlanta's depth is fantastic, but they have... They've shown they've shown vulnerability against teams like Washington and even Brooklyn in the postseason. That's will Cleveland's star power with LeBron James be enough to beat the Hawks, or will the uh, the lack of depth be their undoing with the Cleveland Browns because of injuries to Kevin Love and now Kyrie Irving's been bouncing around and and hurt. It's a uh, this is a tough one to predict. I mean, a lot of people are probably picking Cleveland here, and. Atlanta's kind of been on a mission most of the season. They seem to be a survival or survivors here. Mm, the power forward position, I think, man, I mean, that, that this is going to be the toughest situation here for the uh, the Cleveland the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers. I keep wanting to say Cleveland Browns, and that's driving me crazy. <laughs> what really is going to happen between these teams here? Uh, Cleveland's big man situations versus Atlanta. That's a huge under. That's a I think uh, Cleveland's an underdog there. Though Kristen Thompson's been getting rebounds, that's helpful. And they did survive Joe Kim Noah, and he did not look very good ultimately. And Paul Gasol was injured a bit during that series. That did definitely not help the Chicago Bulls' cause at all. And that's a big reason why they were able to defeat the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers were able to defeat the Bulls. That's very key, and I need to mention that, obviously. Yeah, you think? I'm, mm, this is a really tough one. I mean, Cleveland can win games on the road, and, and they've shown that in the past. Luckily for them, they won, uh, well, 
I mean, they won game four on the road to keep themselves going, and they won game six on the road. That's that's good. It's so hard to pick the Atlanta Hawks to go to the finals. But I had them winning the championship, so I'll stick with it. I'll have Hawks in seven by a very slim, slim margin at this point. That's my early prediction. Subject to change, but that's my prediction right now. Hawks in seven by the narrowest of margins over the Cavaliers. But a big part of me wants to pick the Cavs because they look they look like they're ready to roll through this thing. So, but let's just stick with Hawks in seven. Let's move on. We'll get to the let's get to the Facebook and Twitter and call it a night. We'll be right back after this. are back here on Timberwolves Explosion, segment number three, Fan Interaction. And it's going to be uh, pretty small this this week, unfortunately, but that's okay, I suppose, because I went on and on and on in the previous uh, segment. So, yeah, free, previous two segments, to be quite honest. So, it, it just kind of is what it is. It turns out this way, and, you know, not a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of Wolves conversation right now, but there'll, there'll be more next week with after the draft lottery, and We'll know where the walls are, t- are uh, going and all that. So let's get to the Facebook page simply to get there. Uh, well, yeah, to get there, simply type in Timberwolves Explosion, Minnesota Timberwolves Show in the search bar on Facebook. Click on the one that says Company, Not Group. If there is a, if there are two choices, Company, Not Group, click like on the show. Join in the conversation. It would be greatly appreciated. Vince Germano of the Courtside Podcast, a show that I love and endorse and I didn't really talk about it on this show that much. Whoops, so so I was so stuck in the train of thoughts, but, well, I suppose shout-outs are best usually around the fan interaction time anyway, but, eh, you know what I mean. I mean, that's kind of how it goes. Wonderful courtside podcast, Hank McCoy, Vince Germano, check that one out on iTunes. More than worth a listen. They've been keeping up with the playoffs. Oh, my. (laughs) None of us have our our, uh, favorite teams in the playoffs anymore. Uh, Hank's Grizzlies. Vince's Lakers and my Timberwolves, of course. And uh, Vince Germano is also on the Showtime and T-Wolves show with me as well. He, You know, the Wolves and Lakers type of show. We need to record that again, and I keep putting it off, and I apologize. We probably have a lot to say on that one. <clears throat> okay, there we go. Got that in there? <laughs> he says, Hoiberg is the Bulls' choice to replace Tibbs, according to Real GM, and I did see that, and that sucks. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, though, it's like, if we don't go after Tibbs, Flip needs to go. Because, yeah, I, that, that's what they've been saying. Hoiberg is the, the uh, who the Bulls want. Ultimately, Tom Thibodeau is out of there. No news as of yet on Tom Thibodeau's, uh, uh, on his fate with the Chicago Bulls. Nothing going on yet. We'll just have to wait and see. Maybe we'll be waiting until the playoffs are, are over. Who knows what's going to happen, but it sounds like the Chicago Bulls may throw the moon at uh, Fred Hoiberg. The, the possibility really exists there. And if that happens, we've got to get Tom Thibodeau in here. Please. Even though that's probably easier said than done. Please. That would be so nice. Indeed. Let's go over to Twitter. Um, not the nicest thing I've, ha- I've heard somebody say to me, but hey, you know, that's part of radio. Uh, he wasn't ripping me, but he's just giving an opinion. Jared Johnson. I believe this is the first time I've heard from him, and it, apparently he listens to the show, so really nice to hear from you. He says, at J underscore smooth 236. That's his Twitter handle. Uh, he says, regarding this week's episode, that being last week, 
uh, or yeah, like it was two weeks ago now, uh, I have a feeling your dislike for the Warriors and their style of play comes from jealousy. Uh, no. <laughs> yes and no. Uh, it'd be nice if we could shoot threes, yes. And I don't hate, I, I'm not that much of a hater with the Warriors. It's just, and and the, I pretty much explained, and of course he, you know, I'm, he wrote this way before I explained it, so I'm not trying to like show off and correct him here. No, 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 no. But um, yeah, as you probably heard earlier, I pretty much explained my real reasoning there. I like the Warriors just fine, and again, like I was saying, if they <laughs> if they're going to continue to make all their threes, good for them. Um, I don't like when teams start launching threes though. With thir- I mean, are still launching threes with 30 seconds, 45 seconds left, and they're up by 15, 20 points. I I don't know. It kind of it seems kind of douchey to me, but whatever. Uh, if that's in the game plan, that's in the game plan. And uh, I know maybe you just you just gotta do better job stopping them. That's that's what the that's the old saying, and and that's kind of how it goes. I I don't know. At least they're not launching threes though with the last uh, twenty fourth. You know, with the twenty four second clock being off. Obviously, nobody does that. That's kind of not very nice to do, but eh, at the same time, maybe we're all too uptight, meaning myself and, and others out there that think the way I do. The Warriors are fine, uh, Jared. I, I don't, I mean, I'm not as big of a hater as it might sound. I just like what LeBron James brings more than Steph Curry. I, it's just an opinion. I like the style LeBron James brings to the NBA more than Steph Curry and, and uh, Tristan Thompson and guys like that. Um, but again, more power to them. I mean, if you're going to hit threes and you're going to make them, particularly in moments maybe you're down by two points or, or up by three points, and it's a huge shot late in the game, that's that's fun to see. And, you know, it, it changes the momentum of the game, and boom, now you're on your way. And especially being able to pull that off on the road, that's really impressive against a tough team like the Houston Rockets. They're going to probably have to win a road game against the Houston Rockets at some point. And if they do, they're in very good shape. But then again, maybe Houston will win a road game in Oracle, and that'd be extremely impressive if they're able to pull that off. Memphis was able to do that. So, no, I don't, uh, I'm not jealous of really anybody other than, I mean, sure, I'd like to win some games too. That would be nice. But, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Jealousy, eh, no, nah, nah. Maybe I'm too old school for, for the millennial generation. Okay, sure, I, I am in some ways, but I'm also not stupid. I, I acknowledge the thought, the fact that, uh, well, three-point shots are actually a high, actually a higher percentage right now than, than any long-range two-pointers that Flip Saunders has Anthony Bennett shooting, and that drives me absolutely bonkers, and I'm sure it drives you nuts, too, if, if you are a Timberwolves fan, uh, Jared, and, and others out there. Yeah, those long two-pointers are, are they're, they're lower percentage than, than the threes, because a lot of guys work on their three-point shot more than they're going to work on a long two, long-range uh, two-point shot, and it's a weird spot to shoot. It's a, you know, it's just, it's not, there's no measurement to it. You're just shooting it. Where the three-pointer, you know where the three is, and you're going to take your shot there, and you're going to take it thousands of times over the course of, uh, you know, practices and such as you're leading up to the season, and thousands of times during your career in game situations if you're a guy that has the green light to shoot the three. So, yeah. <laughs> I drug that out a little bit, but, yeah, I don't know. When I'm being accused of jealousy, I might have to, might have to defend myself a little bit there. But um, no animosity for myself. Hopefully none from you. He's still following. That's a good sign. I didn't piss you off too much that you're out of here, so that's good. Thank you very, very much, Jared, for your listenership. I greatly appreciate it, and I hope you continue to listen.
Thank you very much. So, uh, shout outs to Tane, to Tane Brown and others, Hank McCoy. Love when you guys are able to post in here. Understand if you're not able to, you're too busy, or my dumbass hasn't been saying anything lately, and I feel bad about that. <laughs> and more news will come out, uh, obviously, this week. You're going to be getting more interaction. That's why I will be back next week. So, with that said, I will be back next week. <laughs> Let's get that number one pick overall, or at least number two. I know a lot of people are scared of, oh, don't give them the number one pick. This way somebody else could screw up, and then we wind up with the best player, you know. So, yeah, you know, they wind up with the, <clears throat> forgive me, Anthony Bennett, <laughs> and we wind up with, uh, well, uh, the, 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 the better choice. We'll see what happens. That Anthony Bennett draft was a terrible draft anyway, so, uh, so far, so far. <laughs> Maybe that was a stupid statement, too. Somebody will come back and say, boy, you're dumb. But um, I'm not really concentrating on the 2013 draft right now. I'm concentrating on 2015 for the time being. And, yeah, we'll come back. Plus, yeah, well, whatever. Let's just move on from that (laughs) that conversation. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about the draft lottery and the two conference finals and my continued uh, hatred for the Warriors. No, I'm kidding. We'll be back. (laughs) We'll be back soon. 